Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, we're waiting. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Golf Unfiltered podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam Fonseca, editor-in-chief over at GolfUnfiltered.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at GolfUnfiltered. Send me an email, Adam, at GolfUnfiltered.com. Look us up on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and I think that's all the places that we're on now, but if you find another one, let me know. Uh, it's been a few weeks. Many apologies. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus recently. Uh, listeners of this podcast know and will remember that in the last episode, uh, we uh, I discussed a few things that are going on uh, between uh, me and the missus, the old lady, as you know her, Kristen. Uh, we went and bought a house, uh, so a lot has been uh, going on regarding that. We've been moving a lot of stuff into boxes. I, I, I've moved many times in the past, but I forgot how much uh, somebody can accumulate in – well, I've, we've been in this house for 10 years. It's incredible how much stuff you've got. And we live in a pretty much a box right now. I mean, we live in less than 700 square feet in a suburb of Chicago. And we're moving to a home that's uh, about 2,000 more square feet than that. So uh, it's been crazy. Uh, we've got a lot that's going on. We're going to actually move here in the next week or so. Uh, so chances are we won't have a podcast next week, which is why I wanted to get one out today. And plus, I've missed you. And with... Not having a podcast go out in the airwaves in the past two weeks, there's been a lot going on in, in the uh, good old sport of golf, and we can talk about many things. But uh, as I've been doing kind of when I've had these solo shows, we don't have a guest on today, I've been uh, kind of speaking a little bit about my own game. And just yesterday, I uh, posted an article about uh, achieving the correct impact position, which, again, I, I am not a golf pro. Uh Take for take what I say with a grain of salt regarding the golf swing, but I I've played the game long enough to understand where your hand should be, the mechanics that you should go through, and all that stuff. So uh, I, I'd like to think that I've got a pretty solid understanding of the golf swing. And anyway, I've been struggling. Uh, played over the weekend, played on Memorial Day, and didn't go so hot. Uh, not making good contact, kind of drop kicking the ball every time. Uh, off the tee box, and, you know, just had a bunch of bad shit going on. So uh, you've, you've read, if you go to the site, you've read me uh, a few of the articles I've written about uh, about golf tech. For those of you who are familiar about golf or with golf tech know what that is. It's a uh, golf lesson chain uh, that you can go. They've got their uh, own set of professionals there. They're great people all around. I've had nothing but a great experience with uh, golf tech. Uh, in my my local neighborhood here, and uh, working with a guy named Ian Hughes, and uh, you know he's he's been great because I've spoken to and I've worked with quite a few instructors since opening the uh, the website. Uh, every so often, I'll get an invitation to come out and see what they have going on, and you know get a free lesson every so often. And I've worked with a few people that uh, aren't so great 
but two guys that I've worked with, uh, one of whom is Ian Hughes over at Golf Tech, who I'll get to more a bit here in a minute, but also Greg Barcel over at uh, Cantini Golf uh, near my hometown. Uh, you know, those are two guys that uh, take a pretty uh, – uh, what's, what's the word to use? They, they have a unique uh, approach to teaching insofar as they actually want to, you to understand how it feels to get into certain positions, which – is great, and I'm sure that there are other instructors that can say that. But for some reason, I was just able to click with these two guys uh, so much so that you know it's it's really improved my game uh, substantially. Now, I've also spoken a lot about some of the golf instruction videos that I've watched. I still feel that the Hogan Code by Cristo Garcia, our guy Cristo, over at By Swing Evolution, the uh, amazing YouTube channel that you should go look out uh, check up. Um, his Hogan Code is an instructional video that that preaches a lot of the same stuff from a classic swing standpoint that these guys, Ian and Greg, uh, also bring into their, their teaching. Um, and But there's a far jump or a huge jump between watching something on video, which Christo does amazingly well in his video. I still think it's the best instructional video I've ever seen. Uh, and then there's this leap to actually having one-on-one time with an instructor to help you get your body in a position to feel what it is that you know, they want you to feel or what you might have seen in a video. So over go, I go out to Golf Tech. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with it or who aren't familiar, you can actually go to Golf Tech and practice if you're a current student. Uh, you can just go hop into Bay for a little bit. What I like most about Golf Tech is they've got all the cameras from different angles. They've got uh, this little contraption on the ground where you can press rewind, uh, fast forward, slow-mo, you know, basically recording your swing on video, and you can run it back and forth as many times as you want, kind of looking at where your positions are. Um, and plus, you know, every so often Ian will hop in and he'll, you know, draw lines on the screen so I can kind of help with my, you know, whatever it is that I'm working on that day. And it's just a great, uh, it's a great facility or group of facilities to go and just learn more about the swing. And, you know, they've always got all their training aids laying around. You can pick one up. I was working with the impact bag uh, yesterday um, because, again, I was trying to get to uh, this impact position that you see professionals hit and the good players hit. And that, of course, you know, the proper impact position is with, where your hands are in front of the ball at impact with your weight forward and going into rotation towards your target. I am a caster or an early releaser, you know. I, I've always had that problem. I don't know what it is. Many people, it's a common problem. Um, I think it really has a lot to do with me playing baseball growing up, but I really have no idea to be <laughs> anything more to base that on. But, uh, you know, that's been my problem as of late, and, of course, that leads to fat shots. So, you know, I went and I, I, uh, I worked out a few things. Ian helped me with a couple things here and there. And I, I went ahead and I posted on the site yesterday an article about achieving the uh, appropriate or correct impact position. And I shared a few videos that I've seen on YouTube that really explain getting into that position quite well, as well as a video of myself at a golf tech facility uh, with uh, Ian Hughes helping me out. And it's, it's a, a, you know, I said it was a giant leap to watch a video and then have someone actually walk you through the positions. Um, it's an even bigger leap to see all of that, to hear all of that, to try it, and then see yourself on video actually achieving it. You know, I I never knew how to get my hands in front of that damn golf ball at impact, certainly in a full golf swing. Sure, I could do it with chips and pitches because that's, you know, much shorter swing and 
and you're you're not going at it full bore. But in the full swing, it was always difficult. And you know, working with Ian, working with the guys at Golf Tech, and getting the the great follow up to every lesson that you get. You know, it, I've been able to achieve that closer and closer. So that's what I'm currently working on. Um, you know, if you guys are struggling with it, let me know. You know, reach reach out to me on Twitter again at Golf Unfiltered. Uh, I love to talk about this stuff. If you follow me on Twitter already, you probably have noticed a few uh, days where I've sent out uh, just questions and polls asking you guys about the golf swing, some of the things that you incorporate into your own game. Uh, most recently, I asked the question about, you know, do you prefer to feel like you're swinging to the left if you're a right-handed golfer, uh, or do you feel like you're swinging out to right field or extending down the line? And, you know, there's a video out there. I forget exactly the, the instructor, but... If you just go on YouTube and you type in uh, uh, swinging to the left or uh, right field, this video will come up. I think his name is Mitch something. And he explains that really it's the same thing. It's, it's whether you're swinging out to right field or you're thinking about swinging to the left through impact, ultimately your body has to go through the same positions in order to do either. It's just how you want to feel that swing or that sensation in your own swing. And I think that's really the key that, uh, you know, is really key for you to start playing good golf. It's just to get, you know, those feels, <laughs> as Tiger would say, um, in your own swing, on the range, and then translating that onto the course. Uh, you know, it's all about muscle memory. It's that the people say it a lot, and I'm beginning to, to realize it more and more, even after playing this game for over 20 years. You know, I'm still learning a lot. I don't think you could ever stop learning. One of the biggest things I've learned is how to remember in my body how it feels to get into certain positions. So that's enough about my swing. We've just spoken about 10 minutes about something that many of you will probably never ever see. Um, but uh, let's let's kind of take a step away from that and towards uh, the PGA Tour, excuse me, as I take a sip. Uh, today I'm drinking uh, a fine Chicago Pilsner from Revolution Brewing. Uh, it's a great brewery downtown. Uh, Rev Pills, it's called. Look me up on Untapped as well if you're a beer drinker. Shout out to Ricky Potts. I know you're also. Mm. So good. Uh, but anyway, PGA Tour. So there's a lot that's been going on. Uh, Jordan Spieth, latest big winner over at uh, Colonial. I still call it the Colonial or the Dean and DeLuca, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, big win for him, obviously. Um, you know, we're going to get to the, you know, the main topic that I wanted to talk about tonight uh, in regard to... Uh, media narratives, <laughs> which is something that I'm sure uh, some of my listeners will chuckle at. But uh, there's it's hot and cold with Jordan Spieth, and I think that's something that we're seeing uh, not only in his game, but also in the opinions of his game. And this win for him could not have come at a better time, especially after what happened to him last week at the Byron Nelson. You know, he was in position to essentially go as it turns out, two wins in a row. And, you know, he kind of blew it uh, last week or two weeks ago. Definitely came through this week. Uh, I I will admit I'm a horrible golf media guy, but I, I did not watch that final round. I was doing other things. It was Memorial Day weekend. I had other stuff going on. But from what I hear and what I saw in the highlight reel following, I mean, that, that closeout by Jordan was just unbelievable. You know, the putt that he made, you know, chipping in, all that just crazy stuff. Uh, you know, those are the types of things that a guy like him, you know, can. that's flashy for him, and he has the ability to go out and do that. 
pretty much at will. It's it's good to see him do that now, especially coming from a guy that's been uh, you know struggling and, and, and working with his swing as much as Jordan has. But uh, you know we'll we'll get more into to all that that stuff. But it was a great win for him, and it certainly, as I said earlier, could not have come at a better time. And now we're at a situation, folks, where we've got the world number one in Jason Day with a win. We've got number two Jordan Spieth with a win this year, and Rory McIlroy just won the Irish Open a couple weeks ago, uh, which not a PGA Tour event, but a super huge, important European Tour event, especially for someone from Northern Ireland. Uh, something that he wanted to achieve his entire career was the first time that he did it. And hey, it was the first time that he actually hosted the tournament as well. So the three biggest names in the sport are all winning. And quite frankly, I don't know what to make out of that. So uh, here's why. And I hate to bring this guy up. I know that he hasn't been playing golf, but he is the uh, the benchmark that anyone from at least this generation forward is going to be compared to until the next guy comes along to match what Tiger Woods has done. And when Tiger was winning, we've said this a few times, we're at what, now the 71st, I think, episode of this, or 70th, whatever. He was just dominating. I mean, this is not something that's new. I'm not... I'm not I'm preaching to the choir here. He was a on a completely different level than anyone else, and parity was not something that existed on the PGA Tour ten years ago. You know, even less than that. Hell, you know, eight years ago. And now we've got three guys that could, for all intents and purposes, blow away a tournament field when their game is on. And I like to think of it as we've got three mini Tiger Woods at this point in Jason, Rory, and Jordan. It's, I don't think, well, I certainly know that I have not been part of this game uh, in a situation much like what we have now in my life. You know, people in the, in the past, you know, uh, the elders, <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll say, they'll tell you that the original big three, uh, you know, Arnie, Jack, Gary, uh, and maybe even the big four with Tom Watson when he came along, you know, th- that was a time that was very similar to what I think now is, uh, especially when the biggest names in the sport are still winning. Now, what I think modern golf, this era's golf, uh, what gives it sort of the edge, I guess, is the fact that we've got probably four or five guys, maybe even six, depending on who you want to throw in the ring, who, who could still win as frequently as any of the top three there there's just so much parity and there's just so much of an even playing field now even though the top three are starting to distance themselves a little bit from the rest of the pack that it's it's really easy to be a golf fan right now i guess it's kind of hard to be a golf writer because you want to again we'll get to this in a minute but you want to pick a narrative and stick with it but it's very easy to be a golf fan now because you've got such a strong group of golfers that you could follow at any at any moment you know and and i'm sure that someone's who's listening to this you know uh, might say that hey you know adam it's always been that way it's just that we've had one guy that was by far heads and shoulders above everyone else you know we just weren't able to see that that's probably true but when we talk about professional golf and we talk about you know just being a, a fan of the game you you want to latch on to those guys that are actually winning tournaments. And in a weird way, which is easy to say now 
looking back, you know, revisionist history, I guess you can say, or whatever you want to call it, hindsight, you know, Tiger in a way was the, well, he was certainly the best thing to ever happen to the game at that time. And even now, but in a way he kind of, I don't know, watered down the game a little bit, if that's fair of me to say. And what I mean by that is he was the guy. We, we, we could count on him to come through and, and, and really put the sport on his shoulders and just go with it. You know, I mean, he was the guy that everyone's going to count on and everyone could count on because he continued up until a point, at least recently, he continued to deliver. But that left everyone else playing second fiddle. I'm sure they didn't mind because as Tiger's success went up, so did so too did the uh, the purses, tournament purses, and you know finishing second or third or in the top five in Tiger Woods' prime, that was a pretty damn good payday, you know, considering what these guys were making prior to Tiger, and even now, hell, I mean, I call up the Jim Furyk plan. You know, you don't win a whole lot. You go, you finish top 25, top 10 every so often, collect your check, cash it repeat the next week. I mean, you do that nowadays, you're a multi-millionaire and you don't have to have a win, but these guys want to win and it's good and it's fun for us, us fans to see these guys win every week. And I apologize for my voice cracking. I have no idea what the fuck's going on, but uh, excuse me as I take another swig here. So that's where we are. We've got these three guys winning and that kind of leads into what the main thing I wanted to talk about tonight. And that was this concept of uh, media narratives or golf narratives. And what I mean by that, um, it's it's kind of a joke on Twitter these days and among uh, golf bloggers and golf journalists alike. But you know, everybody's looking for that 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 story that is going to hook as many readers as possible. You know, a lot of times we call it you know clickbait. Um, a lot of times you call it something else, but really it's essentially getting as many eyeballs as you can on the articles that you write for whatever outlet that you write for. Um, part of that is to follow the storylines, especially in a news age now where everything is so damn immediate, thanks to social media, Twitter specifically, that you kind of have to get something out before the next guy does. And even though if you go on Twitter and, you, you know, you, you know the group of writers and bloggers that all kind of t talk and joke around with each other, I, I do it to an extent, uh, but I'm certainly not part of the, the larger clique, I like to call it, which is fine. I mean, that's perfectly fine. Uh, they do good work and they have a good time doing it, and I enjoy reading the things that they do. Um, but they're all competitors as well. You know, as much as everyone's buddy-buddy, it's always been this way. You know, everyone's competing with one another as well and sometimes borrowing content from one another, which is why you very often see similar stories, storylines and topics coming out of multiple news outlets. So what does that mean? Well, these are all narratives, you know, and when we say, when we joke about forcing a narrative or it's all about the narratives, hashtag, <laughs> um, it's, it's latching onto an idea uh, such as, you know, Jordan Spieth is tired. Everybody remembers that from the beginning of the year. You know, the guy had a career year last year winning two majors. Started off the year going to every damn place in the world to play tournament golf because everyone wanted a piece of Jordan Spieth. And the narrative was, is this too much traveling for him? And is he going to become fatigued or tired? And is this going to impact the way that he performs for the entire season? Now, depending on how you spin that, it could be a fair question you know, the first time it's brought up, but 
it could also become extremely annoying every time if it's brought up every week. And some people kind of ride that horse a little bit more than others. I'm not trying to call anybody out about it. I mean, I'll be honest, I tweet about it all the time, or I did at least. But that's what I mean by kind of, you know, following the narrative, keeping it alive, that type of thing. And you see it all the time on the Golf Channel or in any of these, you know, any network um, or any major publication. You know, the the whole uh, Ricky Fowler being uh, overrated thing, you know, that was a narrative that continues to come up. You know, it was all over the place uh, when the Players' Championship came through a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago. Uh, he being the defending champion. The 2015 tournament being the first tournament, big tournament that he won, following that anonymous players poll that came out, voting him most overrated player. You know, these are the types of narratives that are established that writers like myself and others latch on to. And the whole point is to pump out as much content as you can to get as many people to click on that story in the Internet age now and to read it, which equates to many different things. Certainly the most obvious is traffic on your site. Also semi-obvious is if you've got ads on your site, that can generate ad revenue by increasing the number of what Google Ads at least calls impressions. The more eyeballs that see the ads, the more impressions you get, the more money you get later on. So why am I bringing this up? You know, we've talked about certain blog stuff certainly on golfandfilter.com, on this podcast in the past. You know, just looking at my uh, most frequently visited or popular, if you want to call it that, uh, sites on my blog uh, or articles on my blog, there's a common theme that goes on every so often. You know, and uh, first and foremost, and I've talked about this before, the most popular one was a review that I did on David Ledbetter's uh, A-Swing. You know, the book that he, the, the phenomenal instructional book that he came out with teaching this specific swing uh, that he has, quote unquote, invented. You know, that aside, any of the news related articles, they're always going to be about a few things. And I'm sure you could probably guess them before I even say them. they're going to be about Tiger Woods. They're going to be about any controversial thing that's going on in the moment. For example, when the whole thing with Phil Mickelson came out a couple weeks ago and God, I'm still looking for a lawyer to come on to the to come on to the podcast so we can talk about that. I am not a lawyer. I don't know anything about what the hell Phil's getting himself into. But when that came out, I had previously written an article a year prior about a different uh, allegation, money laundering, I believe it was, uh, that got a lot of traffic when that came out. So it's always Tiger Woods. It's the hot topic that's coming up, and then it's always going to be one of these narratives. You know, is uh, the Jordan the Jordan Spieth meltdown at the Masters, you know, which tied perfectly into, oh, maybe he is fatigued and maybe he should take it easy and, you know, all these other things. But even deeper than that, you know, that that's kind of one level of narrative. The next is getting deeper, and that is uh, certain qualities of a person's game or personality that people will continue to pick at, which I think gets closer into the annoying category of when we just talk about this bucket of, of narratives. And with Jordan Spieth, it's always been, you know, his putting and ball striking. You know, he's a great putter, but he's not that great of a ball striker, which if you're a stats guy and if you look at some of the results is complete bullshit. <laughs> I mean, he's yes, he's a great putter, but he's also a pretty damn good ball striker. I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but 
He's actually, I think last time I looked, he's in the top 20 in ball striking stats. I mean, that's pretty damn good for a guy that is already considered to be the best putter in the game. Coupled with being a top 20 uh, ball striking stat, which is a big bucket guy. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that equates to success, which is what we've seen out of Jordan. Similar things can be said with Jason Day, Rory, and others. Um, what's interesting, though, is that we only look at, from a narrative standpoint, a lot of writers will only look at it from the negative side. They never look at it from the positive. They just always look at it from the negative side. And that little, you know, iota of a thing, that little, you know, deep, annoying, gnat-like quality is going to hang around or has hung around any player whenever they're playing. And, you know, personally, you guys know, I mean, I've, I've been honest about this. I've gone through a few different changes on the site. I try little new things every so often just to see what's going to catch on. I think running your own website gives you kind of that liberty to do. Working for a larger network or working for another publication, you don't have as much creative freedom. But what you do have in those larger arenas are, of course, more eyeballs, more readers. So you stick with what kind of works. And what works in many instances, unfortunately, are writing this near, the writing and writing these narratives. I, I try not to do that, is really what my point is, on the website. Yes, I'll go ahead, I'll make a comment on something that just came up. For example, the Phil thing, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, the Jordan Spieth meltdown thing. There was this ridiculous thing that came out on Deadspin, I think, about how aliens caused the Jordan Spieth meltdown. I thought that was funny. It also touched on something that was very timely. You throw it up on the blog, you get a few eyeballs to read it, great. Hopefully a few people thought it was funny. You know, that's that's fine to me. But it gets, again, I've been saying this word a few times, it gets really, really annoying when similar small things continue to pop up in articles every so often. And, and I think we're better than that. You know, I, I understand why people do it. I understand that, as I said earlier, internet traffic generates internet ad revenue for these places. And that's how they make their money. I get all that, but is it really what we want to read? I mean, I, it, it's starting, honestly, it's starting to fall into the same category as throwing up a half-naked girl, uh, swinging a golf club, and calling it, oh, the hottest golf chick of the week. You know, it's getting very close to that. We can be better than that, I think. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of talking to the guys and gals that, that write about golf in one way or another, whether it's your full-time gig or something you do like me as a side thing. We can, we can choose what the narratives are. We don't have to go and just do what the next guy down the street's doing. You know, we don't need to try to keep up with the Joneses. The precedent that's set is set by us. It's really not set by the readers, because if we stop putting it out, then they'll stop reading it. And I can already hear the counter-argument to that. Well, as long as people are going to read it, we're going to keep writing about it. Well, what... What does that do? I mean, honestly, what does that do? Yeah, it might pay a few bills. It might keep uh, traffic up for a little bit. But does that really does that really hit on the things that you want people to read about? I mean, what does that say about anything else? 
you know, there are some really great writers in uh, the golf space these days. I'm not throwing myself in, in that. <laughs> uh, you guys know what I'm good for, and it's, it's hopefully to make you guys laugh every so often. But there are some extremely good, talented writers out there that, unfortunately, I think, are almost forced into this pigeonhole in order to kind of get their name out there. And it's the pigeonhole of, you know, the hot topic for today, the narratives. You know, I have to write about this certain thing. Otherwise, no one's going to be interested in what I have to write, even though I've got this great topic that I want to write about. But because of social media, because this is the types of shit that get shared, which equates to more eyeballs, I'm not going to write about that thing that only a handful of people will read. I'm going to write about this bullshit thing that really isn't all that true, is based on faulty statistics, and doesn't really hold a lot of water in real life, but it's a hot topic narrative about Jordan Spieth being a shitty ball striker, which again isn't true. So, I don't know. It's something that, again, it's been an annoying thing that's been happening. It feels like more often nowadays than, than in the past. I encourage readers, because I'm a reader of this stuff as well, I encourage us to not be drawn to that stuff, if that's possible. For all 10 of you or 20 of you that might be listening to this, you know, take some responsibility in what it is, and some accountability, I guess, in what it is that, that you want to read. Don't fall into this mentality of, yeah, it's funny on Twitter, but also we want to hear more about it in the articles that we read on the sites that we frequent. You don't have to go down that path. Joke about it all you want on, on Twitter with whatever hashtags that you want. It's all fun and games until somebody actually starts writing about it. So anyway, that's all I wanted to talk about today. Uh, just a quick podcast to get it out there. Um, again, um, we're going to be trying a few other things on the site. Uh, you'll probably see a few things coming out here and there. Let, it, let us know what you think. Again, sorry for the two-week hiatus on the podcast. We will probably not have a podcast again next week, uh, but the following week hopefully we'll have a guest on. And uh, if there's somebody that you want on the, to hear on the podcast, or if you yourself want to appear on the podcast, I'm an equal opportunity podcaster, I guess you could say. <laughs> I'm happy to have anybody on as a guest, as long as you can A, talk about golf intelligently, and B, not clam up when we actually start recording. I've had that happen in the past, and it's really hard to kind of pull information from someone as an interviewer, and I'm not that great of an interviewer, <laughs> so... Let's try to meet each other halfway if you do decide you want to be a guest. But I mean that sincerely. If you're interested in being a podcast guest, send me a, uh, a direct message on Twitter, at Golf Unfiltered. Uh, hit me up on email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. Or you can even send us a Facebook message if that is your preferred method and you're an 80-year-old grandmother. But uh, at any rate, uh, take care of yourselves. we got some great golf coming up. we got the Memorial this week. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. We all thought Tiger was coming back. At least I did. But now it's starting to look like he might not come back at all. But we'll save that for another podcast in the future. Until then, this is your buddy Adam signing off.